Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and you are listening to Life Over Coffee. Happy New Year. This is December the 31st, 2020, just a few hours away, and we will make it through 2020. Praise God. I know many of you are looking forward to turning the page, and I am too, and I trust that 2021 will be, well, it will be better than what we have just experienced. But before we leave 2020, I want to do one final podcast, and so this is episode 286. I got something fun that I want to do in this podcast. I'm going to roll through a series of questions that have been asked. They have come through various platforms. We have uh, collected them, and I'm going to answer those questions the best that I can. Let me share with you the questions so that you will know where I'm going and what I'm going to be interacting with in this podcast and hopefully it'll be something a little little something for everyone. There is a question on the Mastermind program, which we get a lot of those, and so I want to answer that question. That will be the easy one. And then there's a question that uh, Ken sent in, and he's asking about how do you overcome being a failure after a divorce? And then Fran wrote in, and she is asking how to live with a narcissistic man who accuses her of all all sorts of things. And then Gerald wrote in, he's struggling with PTSD, and he wants to forgive those who hurt him. He's asking for help. And then we have Corenza, who has written in, and she's asking about the differences between healthy and unhealthy grief, and a couple other questions that's tied to grief. So I'm going to be talking about grief. I'm going to talk about PTSD. I'm going to talk about narcissism. I'm going to talk about divorce, and, and then I'll talk about the Mastermind program. If you have a question that you want to ask me, the best place to get your questions answered is on our forums. We have free community forums. They are uh, provided for you by those who financially support our ministry. We have uh, a few folks who support for $5 a month or more or $50 a year or more, and then some give uh, one-time donations, but all of that collected together, it allows us to do exactly what I am doing now. There are a dozen of us that are working all the time to serve our community, and we have thousands upon thousands of people who come to us every week and every month and they have questions. They come to us for one reason. They are looking for help. All the questions are the same in that way, and it's our joy to be able to serve those folks who who come to us. And so we do have a ton of free resources. As bad as 2020 was, 2020 was very good for us because it allowed us to do several things. We brought on, I think, four, at least four new uh, team members. We moved all of our resources from behind the paywall so they are free for anyone who has access to the internet. There have been so many good things that have happened in 2020 despite all, well, you know, all the bad things that have happened. But God has been very good to this ministry, and because of the financial support, we are able to take on new team members, and we are able to to do more. And so we have these free forums. They are here for you, and that is the best way to get your questions answered. I know it disappoints some of you because you come uh, to us through our social media platforms, but we are not building a ministry on social media. Those are unidirectional platforms where we 
send out information, but we just don't have the human resources to be able to devote that time to you and to your question that you have on those platforms. There's, there's over almost, I would say about 40,000 people on our social media platforms between 35 and 40,000 people, and there is no way. And so I need for you to understand that. And so what I say that if your question is important to you, if it's that important, then you will come to the one place in the, the world where we can answer those questions. And I do need for you to understand this. I need for you to do it. I need for your help. I don't, you can't be asking questions, not to us, not if you want us to answer them on social media platforms. There, there's just... 12 people and 40,000 people, it's just not going to work. But we have this amazing website. It is user-friendly. We have done a lot of work on it this year. We have invested heavily in it. And so I need for you to come to our place to ask uh, your question. And I, that, that would just make things so much easier uh, for all of us. And, and, and you won't fall through the cracks because we want to help you. We really do. We work hard at this. We work very hard and we produce a lot of content because we we love helping folks, but I do need your help. And so if you have a question that's vital to you, come to our free forums, get your username and password, call yourself whatever you want to call yourself, Sunlight, if you like that. You don't have to use your real name and then ask your questions. Now, if you are a supporter of our ministry, well, then you go to the private forum. That is a much smaller community and you can ask your questions there. All right, this is episode 286, and I titled it, How Do You Live with a Narcissist Who Accuses You? And that's one of the questions, and I want to deal with that. And so let me roll through these. Thank you so much for 2020. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. Thank you for coming. Thank you for asking your questions, and thank you for the privilege to be able to serve you. Tim asks, I'm interested in your mastermind program. What is the cost to sign? up and is there a certification process and then he asked do you have any coaching a coaching program for those who are interested in training and counseling lay people well we have a, a link on our website that answers all of those questions and and so part of what we do uh, our mastermind program is a leadership program and so when someone comes to us we are assessing them and we're assessing them for their leadership skill and we're developing them the best we can. We're cooperating with the Lord, with the student, and we're pouring into them to want to train them to be uh, disciple makers, to be counselors, whatever words you want to use. And so when you ask the question, I'm interested in your mastermind program, what is the cost to sign up? I have to ask the question, are you a leader? A leader will be able to find that information, and on our website, that information is there. And so my appeal to you, Tim, is to go to our website and click the link, and you do the research, you do the studying. The question, one of the questions, that, or one of the things we talk about in our mastermind program when you're training people, do you give them fish, or do you teach them how to fish? And the question that you're asking here, I could answer the question, it's easy to answer, but I've already answered it. That information is on our website. And so Tim, if you are interested in our mastermind program, this is what I want you to do. 
I tell you explicitly what it costs. I talk about the certification process. We talk about training. We talk about training lay people. All of that information is right there on the mastermind link. And so, and by the way, I put it here in the show notes so that you can find it. Episode 286. Click the link. And see, part of what's going on here is that we want to filter out those who have the competency and they're serious about our program. They're really, uh, they're willing to do the due diligence to do what's necessary. We have some people who come to our program and they read everything that I've said about it. They listen to every podcast. They do that kind of work. And when they do, it's like, that's the kind of person that we want to train. Our mastermind program, it's not like going to ACBC and getting a certification program. Anybody can do that. You, you don't, it, it doesn't matter who you are. You can go, and I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying that it's a simple process. Uh, with us, it's a simple process, but we're not looking for just anybody. We're looking for leaders. We want to train people who have the presence of a leadership gift, not the perfection of it, but the presence of it, a particular kind of person. We just don't want to train any person who is interested or semi-interested in in uh, discipleship or counseling because those people don't have the perseverance uh, to go through this program and we've had many we have scores and scores of people to drop out of our program because they just don't have what it takes to go through it and if you can't persevere through the program well then you're not the kind of person that we want because the deal is is that when you get through the program you're going to be sitting in front of a counselee and that in my mind is the most important thing. And we want to make sure that the people that we train who are sitting in front of counselees are competent people who can persevere. They have courage. They have grace. They have compassion. They're highly competent. They're well-trained, and they can actually actually counsel. I've been doing this for too long. Uh, well, not too long. I've been doing it for a long time would be a better way of saying it. And I have seen the damage that Christians cause on other Christians, and that's why I take this so seriously. And that's why I'm not going to answer the question, Tim, because if you're serious and you want to get in this program, then you go on our website. We haven't hidden this from you. It's right in front of you. And if you can't find it, well, you're probably not the kind of person that we're looking for in this program. So you click the link that t- uh, talks about our mastermind program, go to the home page, and you look, it says training. There's a graphic there, and if you click on it, it'll tell you everything that you need to know. And then after that, if you have any questions after that, where there's a place within the LMS, this introductory material, where you can place those questions. And so that's my answer to you, Tim. Ken is asking, why do I feel like a failure as a man because of my divorce? This is a a huge question, and one of the things that I would ask you to do can is go to the topical index on our website. Uh, it, it, in the on the home page is the read link. If you click on read, it will take you to the topical index and it will give you all of our articles that you can read. And then if you look under marriage and family, you'll see a link that says divorce. And I have written several divorce articles there. 
you're going to need to do that, and I want you to saturate yourself in our articles because on divorce specifically, and there's others as well. There's articles on bitterness, and there's articles on forgiveness, and those are two important things that you would need to come to terms with as you work through going through a divorce. A divorce is a horrific situation in an individual's life. It's just it's one of the most painful things that you will ever go through. It's like the amputee who reaches down to scratch his leg, but his his leg is not there. It is a phantom pain that you experience, and it just doesn't go away. There's always that echo of this reality of divorce that will be in your life for as long as you live, and I speak as one from experience. I was divorced a long time ago. I'm talking three decades ago, and you still struggle with, you can still, not struggle, struggle's too strong, but you're still, you, you, you still have awareness of it, and you can look back with regret, you can look back with revenge, and so Ken, one of the things that I, I would ask you to do, not just read my divorce articles, but as you think about these different things that you struggle with, whether it's regret or revenge or bitterness or unforgiveness, uh, then you go to that topical index, and I want you to study uh, those articles on those topics. We have over 1,500 articles there, and so there's information there that will help you with what you're going through. But your specific question is, why do I feel like a failure as a man because of my divorce And what you're asking here, Ken, is an identity question. You are asking an identity question. Who I am as a man, that is your identity. And now your identity is a divorced man. And you look at your marriage, you look at your dating relationship uh, with your future wife, and then you got married, and now you are divorced and you feel this sense of identity that this is who I am as a person and I feel like a a failure. And so that is a huge identity question that you're wrestling through. And what I want to say to you is that your identity is in Christ. Your divorce does not make, it, it doesn't mean that you are a failure. It's not a pass and fail thing if you have a divorce. Yeah, it's painful. As I said, it's one of the most horrific things that you will ever go through. But Jesus is the one that passes and fails you, not your ex-wife, not you grading yourself. I've gone through a divorce. I'm a failure. That's my identity. No, that's not true. Jesus is the one that either passes or fails us. And if Christ has regenerated you, then you have passed the test. You have a passing grade. Your identity is in Christ, and your standing before him is perfect, that you are perfected in Christ, and that is your identity, and you want to wrestle with this, and you want to find your satisfaction in who you are in Christ alone, 
not who you are in the world, not who you are relationally speaking, in this case uh, with divorce. Now, there will be some things that will peck away at that, will peck away at your identity, and you will get back into this mindset of a divorced person, and then you will you will begin to downgrade yourself, and you will consider yourself as a failure, or you will compare yourself to other people who may or may not be in your mind. They, they, they appear to be doing better than you are, and again, you will feel like a failure when you go to a, a meeting, a small group meeting at your local church, or go to a church meeting on Sunday morning where the entire congregation is there, and you see husbands and wives sitting together. Those kinds of things can take your thoughts captive, and it can push you into this idea of thinking, well, I am just a failure when you live alone and you walk through a quiet house or when you go out and eat by yourself and you don't have anyone with you. Those kinds of things can attack your identity in Christ, and that's where you have to wrestle with this idea. Don't grade yourself based on any relational failure. Now, if there are things that you can change. If there are things that you have contributed uh, to the divorce, then you want to change those things, of course. If you have anger issues, you want to work through those. If you have other addictive behavior, you want to break those patterns, those habits, those habituations in your life because you don't want to continue down that path. And so there are some things that you can change, and we're, we're all like that because none of us are perfected. But as we're working on our sanctification, positionally, we are in Christ, and we have to live as men and women in Christ, perfected. We have received his goodness, his righteousness, and we're now, we're now in him. And if you're in him, that is a blessed identity that you have. And so you want to wrestle with these truths, and there's some information on our website that will help you. Fran has written in, she says, I, I lived with a narcissistic man, and he still accuses me of all the problems in our marriage. I feel so guilty. Will you, will you help me? Fran, I'm sorry this is happening to you, and I do appreciate you writing in, and I do want you, uh, along with Ken, who's going through a divorce, and Tim, if he has any uh, questions after he reads our Mastermind material, but Fran, what I want you to do is to get on our forum, and I want you to talk to us. Please talk to us. Your situation is unique, and and what I mean by unique, you are a unique person, and so is your your ex-husband. This is a unique situation, and there's no other situation in the world that's like this. There'll be similarity, of course. There will be people listening to this podcast, this episode. By the way, again, this is episode 286, and I've actually titled this one after you, Fran, How Do You Live with a Narcissist Who Accuses You? And there will be people that will listen to this, and they'll say, well, mine is similar but it won't be exactly the same. And that's why you need to talk to somebody, Fran, and not just in this type of communication where there's just too much latency here where you ask a question and then three weeks or two weeks later I'm answering the question here in an episode. No, you need to get on our forums where we can communicate with you in a more effective way so that we can deal with your unique situation. But with that said, here are a few things that I want you to ponder. 
Now, don't get hung up on the word narcissism. Narcissism is a cultural word, but all you're identifying, all you're saying is that a, a narcissist is a selfish person. Narcissism is selfishness. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's a pride-filled, self-centered person. And a, self a selfish person will do all sorts of, of selfish things. And so narcissism is not really unique in that case. You're just dealing with a, a hyper, super, self-centered person who has no desire to love God and love others more than himself. But one of the things I want you to do, Fran, is I want you to, to discern between true and false guilt. Okay. Now there's some things that you did in your marriage that you legitimately sinned, that you are wrong. But there there's also some things that you did not do. And a narcissist, this self-centered person that you were married to, he doesn't discern between where you're actually wrong and where you're not wrong. He just makes up stuff and and he accuses you of all sorts of things. And so what you want to do is to discern between what is true and what is false. There's a true guilt that you should experience from God, but then there is a false guilt that where someone accuses you of something that is not true, you can't own that. You cannot accept that. Now, tied to that is this idea of gaslighting, which is a common term now uh, in our culture, and, and gaslighting is similar to this idea of false guilt. And by the way, Fran, I have a video here, a 16-minute video on gaslighting, and I would like for you to watch that video as I explain carefully what gaslighting is, which is basically making you believe something that is not true, and that's where you get the idea of false guilt. I've also inserted an info infographic in these show notes in episode 286. The title of it is True False Sense of Guilt Flowchart. And I, I lay out this flowchart that talks about true guilt and a false sense of guilt, and I want you to follow it and so that you will be able to discern what is legitimately your sin. What is legitimately yours? And if it is legitimately yours, then you repent of it. Then if it's not, well, you can't repent of that. Then you need to ask other questions as to why am I owning this? Why am I taking this on? Now, one of the things that I would ask you to do, friend, is to surround yourself with good companions to help you to maintain sanity. Having good friends. Now, a good companion can be a human being, of course, that's obvious, but a good companion can also be God's Word, and it can also be praise worship music. As you listen to worship, worship music, as you read God's Word, as you memorize God's Word, as you surround yourself with human beings, all of those people are good companions. And if someone is accusing you of something, then you, you want to be able to uh, not just listening, listen to that lone voice that's making these accusations, but you want to have other voices speaking into your life, biblical voices like praise music or God's word or friends. And then one of the things that you'll have to ask is, why does this person have power over me? If you listen to someone and accept what they are saying, then there is something that they have 
there's something that they have that you want, and maybe it is their acceptance. Maybe you want their acceptance, or you want them to love you or to appreciate you, but there's something that they have that they can use as a manipulative tool. And, and what I'm talking about here is this idea of fear of man. And I have an article here, and actually it's in the show notes. It's a practical plan to break free from being controlled by others. And so, Fran, I would want you to uh, read that article as well. Gerald has written in, I struggle with PTSD. I struggle with forgiving those who have hurt me. I'm also bitter. Will you help me? Similar to the idea of narcissism, Gerald, I wouldn't get caught up with the acronym PTSD. Sometimes when we hear the when we hear an acronym, we we make this false continuum that this is a sophisticated uh, acronym here. It means science, and it's outside of my league. What you're describing, uh, Gerald, is is trauma. Uh, PTSD, a synonym is trauma. Some trauma has happened to you. Some event, some phenomenon has happened to you maybe multiple times, sometimes going through abuse uh, that can create uh, this idea of trauma. Uh, We hear about uh, war vets. They go off to war. They see, they experience, they do uh, things that we don't normally do, and it creates these trauma experiences, and so just recognize it for what it is. And one of the things that I would ask you to do that you can perpetuate this idea of trauma, and you mentioned it here in your question. You said, I am bitter. Well, bitterness is something that PTSD sounds like something that I can't do anything with, but you actually can when you start breaking it out. And what are some of the effects of PTSD? Unforgiveness, for example, or this idea of being bitter. And if we hold on to unforgiveness and we hold on to bitterness, well, it's just going to cause this idea, the effect of trauma, to continue to traumatize our souls. And so what I would ask you to do, Gerald, is begin to identify with biblical labels some of the things that you're doing and thinking biblically that you need to repent of, that you need to change. And if you're holding on to bitterness, if you're holding on to revenge, if you're holding on to regret, if you're holding on to unforgiveness, those are things that you can walk through. And as you walk through those things, as you work out your sanctification, then it will begin to take the force out of this trauma to where it won't be controlling you so much. And then finally, Carenza writes in, what is considered healthy and unhealthy? healthy grief? Does it get easier over time? What is there to expect? I realize it's a different process for each person and each loss, but how does it go? Well, yes, healthy grief, healthy grief, to use the terminology of healthy, it it has a numbing effect, and that is a very normal thing. Grief is normal, and it says that you are normal, and grief speaks to the affection that you had for the thing that you lost. A human being, it could be an animal, it could be a job that you lost. I mean, 
it speaks for affection for something that you lost. And so grief is a very normal, it says that you're a normal human being. It says that you have the capacity to love. It says that you have affection for, for something. It, it says that you are a very normal being. And so grief is a good thing. It is a sign of a healthy and normal person. But you're asking what is unhealthy grief, and unhealthy grief will immobilize you from functioning normally in life. Now, granted, when you go through severe grief, you can take time off, like time off from work so that you can recuperate because you really can't multitask at a, a normal work speed or work pace, and you just need to, you need to focus because grief is like going through a long, dark tunnel. And if you're going through a long, dark tunnel, I mean, that's really what you're focused on at that point in time. And so sometimes you take, take work. Uh, take take off from work, for example, because it's just too much and too distracting to be grieving while you have other things that you need to be accomplishing. However, you should not be immobilized. You should be moving forward. You should be getting up on time and going to bed on time and eating normally. You'll be slower. You'll be less interested in things, perhaps a little non-emotional about most things, but you should be functioning. Now, what should you expect? you should expect the goodness of God. As you walk through this long, gray, dark tunnel, uh, you should be focused like a light at the end of the tunnel, the goodness of God, because that's your hope. Your hope is what pulls you through, and your hope is what allows you to function. Your relationship with God is what allows you to function and to move forward. If you cannot change yourself as you're going through grief, then I would appeal to you to receive help because there's something wrong. There's something broken about your relationship with God. There's something that's wrong that needs to be adjusted because God is the one that pulls you through that long tunnel, but going through the tunnel is quite normal. Is it different for each person? Yes, it is. Some people are brooders, you know, and then some people can just shrug stuff off and move on quickly. And so, Corinza, I hope this helps. Thank you so much for asking and the other questions as well. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.